Hello and welcome to this episode of The Second Unit. I am Freddie, hello, and I'm joined with Meg. Hello. Um, and today's homework was uh, Meg set me was to watch the Aristocats. Is that how you say it? The Aristocats? Aristocats. The Ar- Aristocats. No, I'm just messing with you. Aristocats. <laughs> Aristocats. It's like Aristocrats, but in the title they, they go, haha, because we're cats, and bang, pop out the R, don't they? Because they're cats and they're high class. <laughs> so often I only thought of a joke about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just, just telling you why it's called a weird thing like Aristocats. Because I, I have heard of this film, of course. I've never seen this film until today, and um, I didn't know anything about it, and apart from its name, and its name is weird, Aristocats, and I thought, Aristocats, sounds like aristocrats, I wonder if they're posh cats, and they were, so I have been validated. <laughs> they were very posh cats. Very posh cats, but not all French cats, only, only the mum's French, even though they live in France. Yeah, it is weird that only the mum is French. Like, she's a she's almost the only character with actually a French accent in a film entirely set in France. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I feel like you you have two avenues where it's a film set in France, so everyone's speaking French, or you just it's set in France, but who cares? And just everyone's doing their own thing and no one's got really an accent. But when you have some characters who are French, some characters who go, Sacre bleu, and then some who just don't do any of that, and then it's, it's it's funny. But it worked. I think it was okay. It was just weird when you're like, wait, why is the mum French? But they're not, and she's not even French because she's speaking English. Maybe she was French and then gave birth to three English or American kittens and was like, oh, guess I have to start speaking like this so my children can understand me. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the case. So, uh, The Aristocats is a film about some well-to-do cats owned by a well-to-do woman. And this well-to-do woman is making her will and says that it all goes to the cats. And when the cats die and when I die, it goes to the butler. And the butler hears this and was like, what the heck? So he tries to get rid of these cats so the money gets to him quicker. That's essentially the whole film, and then it's them finding their way back to their home in Paddy. 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 And the friends they make along the way. I... The fundamental flaw of the Aristocats... Yeah. Is why didn't Edgar just wait? Yeah, I... don't live that long. (laughs) And also, I'm not sure, does does Edgar understand the concept of a will? Like, this... (laughs) This comes into effect when she's dead, right? You understand that even if you kill these cats now, you don't get the money. <laughs> she's still Edgar's alive. Just playing, <laughs> playing the long game. Well, no, he's They're not. Just... He's playing the, the very short game. He's like, ah, the cats get the money for me. Gotta kill the cats right now. Yeah, it's. It would make more sense silly. if he first went to kill the, the madame and the madame. whole film was the cats trying to. Stop, murderous butler, kill, madam. I'd like that. Like sort of Home Alone, but with cats. Like setting up little cat traps everywhere. That'd be great. Cat I just made traps. a. I just made a far more coherent film. You know, as a kid, hmm. 
I've never wanted to try something as much as I wanted to try creme de la creme a la Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to die? Do you see how many no, sleeping no. pills he put in there? But, like, disregarding the fact that there are sleeping pills mm. in this soup, everyone's yes. enjoying it. They're having a good time. They're biscuits and gravy, you know? They're enjoying it. It's not biscuits and gravy. It's <laughs> crackers and ch- and cream. Same. Is it? Jesus is a biscuit. Let him mop you up. Right. But Jesus' Jesus' blood was not cream. Bread. Crackers are bread. Yeah, I think you're um uh, a bit a bit a bit off there, Megan. You reckon? Yeah, creme de la Edgar would kill you. <laughs> no. It didn't kill the cats. Um, yeah, because they didn't have a whole thing. But if you sat down in front of creme de legger, it sounds like you just down the whole bowl. They only had like a little... <laughs> and then they were like... Oh. But did you see, yeah. he, he goes like... Oh, puts like sort of maybe 10 things in. And then he goes... Mm, and he just turns the bottle again. Bum, 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 hits it on the bottom like a like a ketchup bottle. And the whole, the whole jar of sleeping pills in. Oh, yeah. I suppose that's quite a lot, isn't it? This is just way too many. <laughs> Those kittens should be dead. Well, that's my point. They only had a little bit. And, like, the mouse only had a little bit. But One of the things as well from that film that really scared me as a child mm. and still impacts me today is that frog. When the kittens <laughs> are, like... Um, when Edgar's getting rid of the cats yeah. and the cats tumble down this little hill that has mm. this tiny little river underneath it, one of the cats, I think it's Toulouse, Toulouse wakes up and there is like this gigantic frog just staring at him. Ribbit. And it makes the most ugh gut curdling what's that word? Curdling? Gut curd that's it. Gut curdling sound that gut, is. I think you just... can say gut wrenching. Oh yeah, that'll be the one I'm looking for. Something yeah. else curdles. I think you've mixed some things there. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But um that was really scary as a kid. Mm, that bit where they they wake up and they're all like oh, Oh my god, it was so cute. I was gonna cry, and then the and then the mouse just rushes out to find them. Oh my god, it got me. It got me right in the <laughs> right in the feels, as people say. If you want me to care about characters, because often I find myself watching films going, I don't care. I just don't care about these lost children. But if you want me to care about a character, easy trick: make them not human, and I'm all in. Because humans have flaws that, that cats and mice and and horses never could. Yeah, yeah. I I like the <laughs> thanks. I like the cats. I I prefer watching Disney animations that are classic like that compared to having to empathise with a human being. I agree with you. Mm. Yeah, I mean it was was good and 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 films have done it before made me empathize with humans i'm not a psychopath but it's just it's just such a shortcut to to make me really care about these characters if they're just like little little cute kittens cats and kittens hey are you cats and kittens oh i'll forever think of duchess kittens (laughs) the way everything is said is so Mm. uh it's just so over the top it's with a high pinky isn't it because the oh, higher yeah. the pinky, the fancier you are. I also, um, I love the, the geese. Oh my god, the geese. The little tails waggling. I, if, <laughs> like... if 
if I could uh, have the geese music on whenever I am walking anywhere, I would be so happy. I can't even remember it, but I remember just watching them walk and it's like, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's that's good waddling music. I want to waddle everywhere now. I I adore them. And they were just so funny. They were having such a good time. And the poor oh, poor Thomas O'Reilly, the alley mm. cat, he he was not having a good time. He was not having a good time. No. Um, there are some parts in the Aristocrats that I should probably mention. That's quite problematic. In oh yeah. Today. <laughs> mainly mainly one part, right? Or are there more that flew under my radar? Well, I mean, other than Uncle Goose being a gigantic perv. Is you he? know, he like yeah, he smacks the the girls tails which is like in Disneyland that's second base <laughs> it's true there's more know? than I've seen in most Disney films yeah um, <laughs> man's hit a home run <laughs> yeah and there, those are his those are his nieces so yeah that's he that's got it. some and the um, and like the mum cat is just is, is just so horny <laughs> yeah, like no. your kids are She's right there she's yeah, and one of her, when she's doing her harp bit, one of her lyrics is, ooh, if you want to turn me on, and, like, her three children are just watching, like, oh, jeez, <laughs> mum, stop. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Apart from they're not, they are into it. The kids are like, yes, go on, mum. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty uncomfortable. Like, it is quite uncomfortable. Got it's uncomfortable, but it wasn't uncomfortable for anyone apart from sort of me. <laughs> Everyone on screen was having a great time. I was watching. I was like, "Geez, those are your children." But I guess I mean, I'm judging this from a human perspective. These are cats. These are these are these are animals. They don't care about all that. They're they're sort of woohee. You know what I mean? But was yeah. this film was this film the the birth of the furry agenda? I don't or was, like that, or was that Space Jam? <laughs> Space Jam. Space Jam. Lola Bunny. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the the most problematic scene is. Um, I'd say a particular Siamese cat. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh. you see him, and and it's it's a Siamese cat with great big buck teeth, and you're like, oh, oh. And then they're doing a dance number or a musical number, and the cat, the Siamese cat, is on piano, and you're sort of hoping, or at least I was hoping. I mean, you've seen this film lots by the sound of it throughout your childhood. I was hoping. Just, just keep that cat as a background. I see what you've done with the buck teeth and the Siamese cat is just, it's terrible. But let's just keep that as a background, you know, joke in absolute quotation marks. But then they give the Siamese cat a line, and then it takes out some chopsticks and starts playing the chopsticks with the piano. And its its line is something like, like it's it's just about fortune cookies and and oh Jesus Christ! Fortune cookies sometimes are wrong. I think. <laughs> It's terrible. And it has the, the da, 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 da. yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Oof. But this isn't the first time or the last time, more probable to say, because um, this is from the seventies. It was released in the seventies, mm. so I'm not justifying it in any way whatsoever. I'm just saying, um, probably was allowed more mm, so yeah. than now. But even Disney making Freaky Friday, right, with um, Lindsay Lohan, the remake. Right. And in there, you've got characters who are 
made who are Asian who are made to put on a Chinese accent and the whole film revolves around a fortune cookie again. It's very stereotypical. Disney does not learn and it's yeah. very prejudiced against that, you know? I mean, um, they're, I they're, mean they're probably, you know, woke now, I suppose, in this sort of climate. There's no way you could do anything remotely like that and not get cancelled. No? But I think they're filming or their choice of location in the new Mulan film is quite... Oh, is it? Quite awful. I, mean, yeah. I don't keep up with Disney too much, but... So they gave thanks to the providence that is holding the Uyghur camps in China. Oh, Disney. Yeah. Well, Disney, Which is why Disney wouldn't care about Mulan that, went everywhere. Yeah, because hmm. the issue is with Disney, it will never learn its lesson, even with the way that they're treating Scarlett Johansson at the moment. Yeah. With, because uh, she's entitled to that money. She's not being greedy. She worked for it. Yeah. People are like saying you're being greedy because it's big figures. No, if you if you work, you deserve to be paid. Who's been it doesn't more, matter how much money. Who's been more Dis- Who's been more? Well, yeah. Who's been more Disney? Who's been more greedy? Scarlett Johansson or this mega corporation? Yeah, exactly. And like, they use words like she's callous and uncaring and stuff. For like, which in Hollywood, women are typically, you know. Uh, rely on that because we're not really given a chance to be otherwise otherwise it's used as criticism it's very gendered uh, attack but disney um just do not care mm. it's, yeah. it's, it's a like I right, it, is a gender that it didn't even occur to me it is because people will be like how is calling someone callous or cold or uncaring something that's gendered but these are words that are typically expected of women no yeah you're right so when you use those words in order to like throw away someone's character that is completely gendered and they wouldn't i don't think they'll treat male stars like that no if a, if a bloke was being the same they'd say you know he's being a he's being a bully or a or a you know some sort of you know more masculine ones you're right you're right i i hmm. didn't even think about that sexist yes <laughs> not you then um but. when i was saying that uh that i thought disney would be more woke now i don't mean disney are woke i mean i would have thought they'd you know make a huge effort to appear so you know with their with with rainbow twitter profile pics and all that nonsense which i'm sure they do but yes still obvious holes in a very morally bankrupt company <laughs> yeah you're right um disney arc like you do expect them to be woke because it's shown that this makes money and they've kind of they've they've hinted on it a little bit but it's nowhere near enough it's like nowhere they're like mm, well it depends on who's the director i guess and who's the overview of the particular project because i think when we blanket disney we seem to forget that not every film is done by one person and whatnot yeah. Uh, not everything's produced by one person because disney is a whole mashup of sub companies now sure but um, the one thing I will give credit to the Aristocats for is how it is created in the t- in the technology that they had. Mm. So this this film is made with sheets of glass in a multiplane camera. So what that is is you have um, like multiple sheets of glass moving at different times, which creates like this three D effect. So your yes. characters aren't attached to the background mm. and. Uh, Disney actually invented that technology with offcuts of a Chevrolet truck. What, like, truck. They, they just took apart a car and made the rig well, with that? 
Yeah, one of the wow. one of the Disney animators, not Walt Disney himself. <laughs> one of his early animators did. Yeah. yeah. He was like, oh, this could work. And it was just experimentation, which in the 30s is all about experimentation and animation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, to... I, I love Aristocats and those kinds of films, not for their content per se, but for how they look and their the way that they're done fascinates me. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think using a multiplane camera, there's something really magical that we've completely just disregarded now kind yeah, of like makes, when we mentioned with the, the, the 2d 3d really doesn't it mm, yeah because like moana sure. a beautiful film really great characters it's narratively there in regards to uh, having a strong character who isn't particularly like oppressed in any way because of their gender and whatnot unlike aristocrats mm. um or their status or their class or whatever um, but it, it just it lacks that slight Disney feel Pixar's really moved and I think there's a place for Pixar I love Pixar I love Toy Story and whatnot but it's a shame that everything Disney's now creating is regurgitated Pixar there's yeah. nothing really yeah. original to look at because I mean you can see the individual stitches on people's clothes and the individual hairs and things and this is really impressive but is it as impressive as hand drawing <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's a, there's a charm, yeah. Because mm. there's they're very 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 different styles, really, aren't there? With with different goals, like because something like the the Aristocats, I keep on saying Aristocrats, the Aristocats, um, is is not going for that sort of every stitch on everything, and the the titles have these like un sort of finished versions of the of the characters like like they're not like the their pencil drawings going through it's is i thought that was really interesting like they're sort of highlighting that this is an animation this is this is just pencils and paint and however actually you do this sort of stuff i have no idea you're the animation person but there's there's always a very big focus on films like moana and frozen and and Toy Story 4 with it looking as realistic as possible but that's not what they go for in this because it's because it's a cartoon and 3D animations are also cartoons so why does everything need to be photo real do you know what I mean yeah and also like I think it's important to remember when Disney first started out doing cell animation which is what cell animation is it's um individual like handcrafted cells that are placed on top of each other in order to create the effect of movement mm. so when when disney really started this he's not the first to start it but he certainly pioneered a lot of technology there um this this was done not for kids these cartoons were for adults they would be played at vaudeville theaters where you'd pay your ticket and you'd go out for a night of entertainment and you'd listen to music and you'd watch performances and then at the end you'd have something like a, a silly symphony or something mm. which is early di- early early disney yeah and um like back in those so, days everyone was watching like <laughs> how did they get that mouse to steer that boat crazy <laughs> i know um and disney kind of have given up on the wow factor and just complied with realism mm. do they still do 2d animation they must 
Yeah, but it's usually for independent, stu like independent uh, creators and whatnot. So, uh, if you look at some of their shorts, right. For example, they'll give their shorts to a team of animators who are relatively undiscovered and say, "Here's some money. Do with it what you will." Mm. But their big, big money is usually moved to Pixar because it's it's a lot better for your money and it's a lot quicker. Mm. But the Astrocats took. It took 18 months for the character designs in order to fully conceptualise how these animals are going to move in the Aristocrats. Mm. And not only that, the idea started in 1962 and it finished in 1970. Yeah. It took a long, long time. We're talking, we had greats working on this film. We had five of the nine Disney men. And these are people who, in, in the 30s, for a little bit of contextual detail, or actually a little bit earlier we're talking early 20s because it's before Steamboat Willie which is 24 mm. um, Disney had all of his work poached Oswald the Rabbit is meant to be Mickey Mouse Oswald was stolen his animators were stolen and he had nothing it was bankrupt and back to working out of a garage and his team of nine animators are the ones who stayed with him through it and they are also the ones that worked on Snow White they've worked on all of his major major productions and he had five of them working on the Aristocats. Nice. So the animation is, the swirly animation is so pretty, I think. It's mm. not as pretty as Howl's or something where you marvel at it, but everything is so clean. And even a film that is sound animation and is like 50 years old still looks clean, clean. Yeah, the drawings of Paris were just beautiful, I thought. Yeah, it's it's very visually I mean, it is, it's quite an easy city to make look great but it did <laughs> look amazing and i also have to give its credit to there's a authenticity of paris as well because paris is quite often overdressed as a romantic city mm. and paris it was romantic but it also showed the back ends of paris that yes is not the nicest it showed both sides of the city and was still able to romanticize it in a way that didn't lie to the audience of what paris is mm. you know well do you think cause well, I love it. <laughs> it was sort of going for like a you know, I'm rich and you're poor, but let's dance together, type thing. So it was, it was sort of romanticizing the the slums, if you will. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. look at me, I can I spend the night in this house with no roof, haha. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, tomorrow morning I'm going back home. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I I like the music as well, the score, other than the problematic areas which we discussed earlier. Mm. Um, I think everybody wants to be a cat. It's just so iconic. It's great. And when they're going through the roof, mm, yeah. just seeing it, it's like the house is tumbling down. I it's love great. that. <laughs> I thought it had just the right amount of music in it. Like I'm, I like a musical, but if it's not like, you know, you like different things, different amounts, and I can. There are musicals I like, you know, like La La Land and Singing in the Rain, but or or mm. uh, the South Park film, best musical. Um, but it's quite a hard genre for me to get into most of the time so when it's a musical that i think i won't like if they just keep singing every five minutes what this was this was like three songs and one of them they did twice yeah. they do everyone wants to be a cat and then they do that again at the end and they the the the, the kids at the at the start on the piano do like a little number um which is which is hardly hardly a song that's more just them sort of you know, being characterised, and then uh, Tom O'Malley has his little entry thing, 
which is great. I love that little tune. Yeah, I love it. He's doing his doing because that's the same bloke that does um, you know the 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 bear from Jungle Book, isn't it? I think so. His name is Pete something. Pete. I'm pretty sure. Pete. Pete something. Pete something. It makes sense if it's from the Jungle Book, whereas Jungle Book was around the same time Aristocrats was conceptualised, so yeah, it would make sense for Disney to have called him. Jungle Book's great. Alright, we're yeah, switching gears, and this really episode magical. is now on the Jungle Book. <laughs> I just, I think you kill me. Very, very magical. No, I'm happy to talk about all Disney. We've, you know. Um, <laughs> the Jungle Book... Phil Harris, not Pete. Phil Harris is his name. Pete Harris. <laughs> That's close. Um, he's a singer. All right. He has albums, which makes sense. But yes, you're right. He's in the Jungle Books. Mm. He's also Robin Hood, Little John, walking through the forest. All right. <laughs> okay. I think I don't know. Maybe. Um, but he's in it. So, yeah. Nice. I I like the Jungle Book as well because the jungle book was a lot harder to animate because in the 60s more technologies was coming through and that color started to become mm. i mean color was around from the 30s because we had uh, the flowers in the wind which is disney's first oscar which Ooh. is uh, never heard early of. 30 uh, it's a silly sim for me so it's about this guy tree chasing a female tree um to pollinate a little bit of a trigger warning though there is flowers in blackface which i don't agree with and <laughs> Disney, yeah. stop it! Yeah, the stop man, ruining the man is fundamentally flawed. Yeah. But it was his first Oscar that he won. Um, mm. But Jungle Book is like, I think Jungle Book's really magical because it's it's got the perfect little twist of like music and comedy. Yeah, I like Jungle Book. Other films didn't really have. Like you look at Snow White, Snow White's bland. She's, I've, I've I, never I actually Snow seen White. it. Well, this their first their first feature length was right. in thirty six, thirty six or thirty five maybe, um, and it was Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Right. It's so, it's so so bland. She has no drive to exist other than cleaning and husband, which is representative of nineteen thirties America, where women were told you need to stay home because men need to go out and work as we're in a depression we mm. need to make money there's no room for women to work so this is like propaganda spit out but in the 60s we're starting to see this die out and disney's really thinking oh i don't really need to put out american propaganda as much anymore so yeah so I it's mean, a nice it sharp does it does end with this family unit back to uh aristocats uh, you know the film we're talking about um it does oh, yeah, end sorry. with uh with this family unit becoming whole again, but I mean, for most of the film, it's it's a it's a single mother and her three rowdy kids. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's got that going for it. I mean, and and she doesn't. It's not like going with this man is her be all and end all. She's like, no, my my kids come first. Their life comes first. If you <laughs> if you can find a way to wriggle your way into our family unit, then good. But we're not changing for you. <laughs> It's um it, it surprises me that it did so well because it it cost four million to make they yeah. made one hundred ninety one million at box office which Ooh, is quite humble nice. numbers but, yeah, but it's a profit profit big profit but it did so well and Disney was on the verge of bankruptcy when oh, the, were they? this 
just after this film, they were almost bankrupt, yeah. Which God, uh, you can't even imagine that now, can you? Disney being bankrupt. No. It's like from about 79 to about 90, which it's known as the Disney Renaissance period, where they really brought back and you see Mulan, you see Little Mermaid, you see like their return to classical fairy tales. Mm. But I see that as such a shame because I really enjoyed the not little classical fairy tales like Aristocats, like the Jungle Book, like little yeah. pockets of stories that aren't so open and shut. Yeah. The Disney princesses saved Disney, of course, but it's a shame. Mm. They're marketable, a princess, I yes. suppose. I don't even know, what what is the story of, of Snow White? I know there's a, a lady called Snow White and she's shacked up with seven dwarves. That is actually all I know about that film. How does she really? get there? Just just a quick little 30 second rundown, because I've never even thought, I've never even registered the fact that I have no idea what the film's about. But how does she get there? What's she doing? How does it end? Okay, so Snow White is 14 years old. She's she was loved her father, everything. Her father dies after remarrying an evil stepmom who wants to be the prettiest. Oh, stepmom's like mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Oh, mirror's like not you. One. It's Snow White, and then the evil mom's like, oh, I don't think so. Huntsman, you fancy me? Go kill her. Huntsman's like, okay. Huntsman's like, oh no, this 14-year-old girl is actually really attractive. I'm not going to kill her. So she's off in the woods, sees a little house. She's like, oh, I'm going to hide here because I'm scared and I'm only 14. Hides in the house. Dwarves come in. They're like, who are you? She's like, I'm chill. I'll clean your house. They're like, okay. They all fall in love with her. They all love her, whatever. And then this like 30-year-old prince decides, oh, that's the one for me. Oh dear. And, uh, yeah, Queen tries to kill her when she realises she's alive. Prince saves her. So Is that the one with the yeah. apple? Yeah. Uh, I, I knew more than I thought I did. I honestly thought That's most of what so you funny. described, if you had said to me, name the film with the mirror mirror on the wall and the poison apple and the... that I would have said Sleeping Beauty or something. <laughs> I think Close. I would have said that. I didn't know that was Snow White. Hmm. Because, like... Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella are in around the 50s, which is where Disney started to God, yeah, run Cinderella up with money well. because people were bored of it. And then they made loads of like animal films and people were bored of it again, so they re-returned to princesses. But like with an 80s kick. 80s kick. We got a princess, yeah. but she's a mermaid. Uh, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Crazy. We got a princess, but she's... Uh, she's a... Uh, I don't know any others. <laughs> Hercules, she's Greek. Hercules is my favourite. Um, <laughs> Honey, you mean Hercules? Yeah. If I don't get a live-action Hercules before Danny DeVito dies, oh, I'll no, be so stop sad. It. Stop it. Stop with these live-actions. If I get a live-action Hercules, no, 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 I'm no. throwing a brick through my television. I want a live-action Hercules because yeah. I want to see Danny DeVito as a live-action centaur. Who's Hercules, That's what then? I want. Who's got that? Absolute oh. triangle shape. Um, <laughs> I can see Henry Cavill do it. He was quite charming in um, A Man from Uncle. I'll, I'll think about that. I'll think about who could be a good Hercules. Who's Meg? Meg. Oh. Someone, someone with about uh, a grand total of two ribs. Do you think they'll ever do a live-action um, Aristocats? Oh God, no. I hope not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, you saw they the can't. way cats went. It would be that, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I, I was, I was thinking because I, I thought, I thought doing. the cast 
in Aristocats was amazing. Like, everyone in that film was doing an absolutely amazing job. Maybe, maybe like, Adelaide was a bit weak, but she's... she's I mean, essentially, she's the MacGuffin, really. But mm. um, everyone in this film is just oozing character. The, the three kids they get to play, the three kittens, are just amazing. And I was thinking, if you did make this film today, if you made, you know, your live-action Aristocats, it would be like, well, uh, right, say it wasn't today, say it was more like ten years ago, it would be, it would be like some sort of uh, Smith family vehicle where you got, you got Willow and Jaden Smith as the two kittens, and and it would, and Will Smith as as. <laughs> Tom O'Malley and it would just be like oh all I know these people's names but they're actors they're not voice actors they're terrible like no one everyone would just be so bland and like identifiable they'd say no don't do anything with your voice to uh you know because it's a cartoon and you should do something with your voice no because people need to know it's Will Smith so just do your Will Smith thing and you know I'm not just I'm not ragging on Will Smith I'm ragging on on just the state of of cartoons and and voice <laughs> acting work where where you have you know all, all these side characters are like brilliantly voice acted but the main character who you're with for most of it is some star who is not even attempting because they're not allowed to it has to be no just do your normal voice that you do for like you know everything so like what was it uh is it onward was the most recent pixar yeah isn't that tom holland and chris pratt Yes, it is. Yeah, and they're just doing Tom Holland and Chris Pratt because they have to. Someone they they want if someone watches this film to go. Oh, that sounds like Chris Pratt. Oh, that sounds like Tom Holland. Haha. <laughs> yeah, I I love watching voice actors behind the scene. I do it all the time because it just fascinates me, and I also like a bit of anime. So <laughs> I'm really I'm fascinated by voice actors, but I think that's what's so magical about films like the aristocrats that modern disney is really missing is that these these people would come in and they'll say okay this is your scene this is the vibe you go for it now here's a script and the animators they would sit in with them to watch their facial expressions to see how they are moving themselves Mm. so that their characters are mimicking the authentic reactions that our voice actors are having in order to create like this real genuine reaction yeah. to and throw and when you have people who aren't experienced in voice acting you have just um actors who are possibly fantastic on screen but aren't necessarily known for voice acting or anything you you have them come in and everything's not genuine it's like ian mckellen said when he worked on the hobbit he was like i'm just working in a room this is really oh, depressing and soul destroying. I'm in a room. Like, yeah, it's like I'm in a green room. <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh, why is that so funny? But it's true. Like actors who don't have this experience are gonna struggle to be authentic. Yeah. Because they've got nothing to work with other than a script. Marvel's thing at the moment they're doing is what if, which is, is it's all like an animated. Uh, uh, show, but they've still got mm. all the actors. So like you know, Doctor Strange is in it, but it's still Benedict Cumberbatch and and you know everyone's in it, and they're all themselves apart from you know like Robert Downey Jr. and and 
all the, all the ones that are left definitely yeah. not Scarlett Johansson Jesus um, but on the whole it's everyone who is in it and you know some of them are, are doing great because I mean they should just do their own voice that's what they're doing and but some of them you're like oh so who, who what joker did they get in to do sebastian stan and then you look at the credits like oh that is actually sebastian stan jesus he does not sound like him i guess because he's just never done voice acting before well yeah that's that is a a big problem in that oh it's just i just don't understand why you'd hire someone who isn't necessarily known to do that instead of people who are genuinely talented in this like mm. one, of, one of my favourite examples of this is James L. Jones in The Lion King comparing mm. him to Matty Bodrick sure how so so Matty Bodrick in The Lion King is Simba is Simba there's a real disconnect there for me and the reason there's a real disconnect is because James L. Jones is used to voice acting I mean he's Darth Vader the man mm. has to have a good voice. The man has to know how to deliver a good line whilst not Simba. being in a room. So when he yeah. plays Mufasa... in a room. Mufa- oh my God, please. <laughs> no, that's is it. Because that's, that's the difference between a voice actor and an actor. Actors get in there and they're just like, oh, I'm in a room. They can't get over that, it. That is exactly what it is. And like... Matthew Bodrick is just the... His voice is so so bland the Simba there's no flavour he's like Akina Matata and then James L. Jones is like no worries it's like oh say it again you know or like Whoopi Goldberg Whoopi Goldberg's great as an actor who can also voice act because she knows how to play on her voice she knows how to Mm. give like ridiculous performances and the woman is talented with mimicking and voice acting or Jamie Foxx yeah, Roman Atkinson, Jamie Foxx. These are all people who have also in their in their career learned how to mimic people, learned how to recreate unauthentic, you know, uh, gestures. So why would you have someone who can't do that and ruin? Like, for me, The Lion King, as great as it is, was ruined by Matthew Baldrick's second half of the film because I was like, he's meant to be Mufasa's son. I get that he's depressed and whatnot, but even when he's fighting Scar, it's like, ah... You know, it's like, oh, oh no. where's the flavour? Flour, yeah. flour is what I'm getting. It's flour, <laughs> spiced with flour. Right. So, um, mm. the Aristocats hits the voice acting on the head. Marie is the most annoying little cat ever. And that's great, because that's exactly what she should be. Her voice is mm. whiny, her voice is like that six-year-old... But mum, yeah, kind of Cartman perfect, voice. Yeah, mum. <laughs> you know, um, Duchess, she's got this smooth, silky French accent, which is weird because she's the only one with a French accent. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> but it does work, yeah. And then you've got the really, really uptight British geese, and they're like idiots and fair, but still. <laughs> oh, they're great. They do not respect the French at all. They're like, oh, look at this poor little chap. He's drowning. <laughs> Exactly. It's great. I identify with that. <laughs> but all of their voices. Of all, are of so all the fun. cultures that were represented in this film, I think they got England spot on, spot on. Oh my god! Yeah. Especially when you know the uncle was just absolutely drunk. Like, yep, yeah, that's my culture. <laughs> I know, right? But it's just the voice acting in it. 
enhances everything, mm. and early Disney has that. But yeah, so now, wasn't it, um, not so much. Wasn't it Robin Williams who sort of changed it up? Oh, Robin Williams in Aladdin, because Aladdin is like seen as a staple in Disney as a proper, yeah. like postmodernist daydream. And Robin Williams, as we know, is a postmodernist comic. He references and gestures constantly and constantly. You know, you miss so many jokes mm. that he says because he's coming at you constantly with this, 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 this is a joke on this, you know. Um, yeah. But in Aladdin, he did he did indeed take a pay cut in order to make the film. And yes, it's not very appropriate now because he plays everyone, including people of colour, including drawing on negative stereotypes of people from that culture. But mm. he was amazing in it because he was so enthusiastic and his face as well like you can see how they modeled genie off robin williams's expressions yeah. you can see side by side clips and the animators essentially just took the soul of robin williams and just shoved it into this film and it's mm. so well whereas done. will smith actually sacrificed his soul yeah that <laughs> see i dislike these cg remakes i'm saying a live action hercules purely because I want to see Danny DeVito as a mini centaur half naked but <laughs> who doesn't right but yeah I'll give you that <laughs> exactly but these these CG things are just not working because animators cannot cannot like it's, it's so real but it's not real at the same time yeah like it's uncanny, uncanny it's uncanny valley. you gotta it's either all or it's nothing that's what I think mm. And, and about the only way to do it all was to have it animated. <laughs> exactly. Because animation... Do it 2D. I mentioned about like how in animation you can dislocate the space really nicely because yeah. you don't need to rely on real-world physics. And in Disney it's called stretchy physics where everything is like... You know, where an arm goes, kind of like go-go gadget everything. Like in um, yeah. Aristocrats when the tails are like one minute they're short but the next minute like Duchess is flounging her tail like across the entire frame. Like it's like what? Flange it, flange it, girl. <laughs> oh my God, please. Yeah, I'm not the one that said flange. I didn't bring flange to the table. All right, I get it. I'm a fool. I'm a goddamn fool. You are a goddamn fool. Yeah, but with uh, Aladdin, stretchy physics is at its like one of its peaks. I love the stretchy yeah. physics. Stretchy. My my physics. my favorite oh. bit of uh, Aristocats. I think was the bit where Edgar first goes to dump the kittens, um, and he's like has this big sort of chase on the bike with the uh, the two dogs, and like he's doing this loop de loop under the bridge, and then he gets caught on the windmill and goes up the windmill, and then at one point he he drives right into the windmill <laughs> and like crashes into it, but he like takes the windmill with him for a bit, yeah. and then. Just, like breaks through the other side it's absolutely hilarious imagine doing that in a 3d remake you couldn't it would look so stupid uh, the only way you can do 2d animation is the home for those brilliant gags yeah it's you don't need to rely on real world physics and you can get away with there, there's a psychology behind animation that not that i'm taking away from the fun too much but you can get away no. <laughs> you can get away with stuff in animation so much like I remember in my first animation class our lecturer was explaining this 
and she put on Ren and Stimpy, which is a kids show. But Ren mm. like sets Stimpy on fire, and then pisses on him to <laughs> to take it out. And this is for kids, for yeah. Seb's age, for oh, four well. year olds. And I'm like, Ren and Stimpy is is pushing <laughs> boundaries. You would not be allowed to do that in live action, but with um. Oh God, no. But with animation, everything's on the table. Like you can be so violent and no one cares because people have this mentality that it's just a cartoon doesn't yeah. matter and I think that's why it resonates so well with audiences that are older like Joanne, myself, Charlotte are watching Disney and stuff because the jokes that we missed as kids when we're adult we see them now and we're like oh that's really funny oh god yeah for me the, the king for that is like The Incredibles yeah what a film for all ages as a kid, I watched The Incredibles thinking, ah, oh, superheroes, wow. Yeah. And then as an adult, and as I'm like, you're like, oh my god, this family is at risk. Oh my god, this family is. This marriage is on the rocks. Yeah. It's on the rocks, we've got like male depression in it. Everything is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a heavy old film. It is. It's really heavy. But it's great. It's amazing. I am. Um... <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, actually, I was referencing to you Aristocats, and you didn't get it, and now I'm really happy that you do. What was the reference? The dogs. I'll the dogs. be the leader. <laughs> I'll say where we go. Alright, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard him say that, like, I'm the leader, and I thought, I'm, I've definitely heard Meg go, I'm the leader, before. <laughs> So and like times. again, again, this film is set in France, and these two, these two dogs talk like this. <laughs> oh my God, they do, and for some reason yeah. they just live in this haystack. <laughs> well, I think because they're stray dogs, but and I love that, you know, they hear this bike coming, and, and the big, the big like basset hounds ears come up, and he's like, "There's a bike, uh, one, one squeaky wheel, and on the front, and a sidecar," and you're like, you're sort of thinking, or at least I sort of thought. Wait, so what are they? Are they guard dogs? Are they... What, 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 what's their motivation here? But then you sort of get... Well, they're dogs. <laughs> they're, just, they're just chasing a bike because it's there. It's like... It's genius. You don't need them. You don't, you don't need motivations when you're animals. You're just milling around doing stuff. Dogs hear a motorbike and they're like, I love a motorbike. I'm going to chase her. I'm going to get a motorbike. <laughs> That's all it is because they're just... dogs. It's genius. Oh, <laughs> I like the horse as well. Oh god, yeah, the horse. Uh, the whole end. Super British horse, wasn't she? Fights, <laughs> yeah. But the whole fight at the end, I was like, just let the horse loose. If a horse just kicks you, you're dead. And and that's Edgar done. And it does eventually. I thought uh, even further back, the like the start of the film, when there uh, the cats are painting and playing the piano. Uh, I don't know if you notice this, but. Because the the cat paints Edgar, but does oh, like yeah. his his mouth and nose with red paint, and then all the red paint starts running, and it's like it to me it it looked like Edgar was just bleeding from every orifice, <laughs> and I thought, oh, is this a bit of foreshadowing, a premonition? And this is before even you you really find out his plan to to kill the cat, and at the end, sure enough, he gets like kicked by the two back legs of a horse into a uh, thankfully into a you know trunk 
and if he didn't get kicked in that trunk, you'd see that he is just bleeding from every orifice. Because if you get kicked like that by a horse, you are, I mean, most dead, probably dead, if not just absolutely changed for life for the worse. Yeah. It's, see, wouldn't happen on a kid's show if it was live action. No, you can't. You can't do that live action, a horse kicking someone like that. Good lord. <laughs> that would be so upsetting. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought something that would be good to compare it to is Disney. Come. It's Paris. There's only Bunny. one other Paris Disney film. Ratatouille. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, wee oui. wee. Oui, oui. That's good, yeah. Ratatouille, okay. I preferred the city... So, The Aristocrats, I think, is a film about love and unconditional love. That's how I read into mm. it, because she's a single mother in 70s society. Remember, it wasn't until, like, 72 that women could actually own a bank account by themselves. So, this is a society where women can't actually be on their own as single mothers. <laughs> they just can't function. Sure. They have to be, but... So, he accepts her for that she accepts him for his floor of no monetary value which was a big concern for men because they were the bread bringers <laughs> right what's your floor as a person I'm poor <laughs> in their eyes no in my <laughs> yeah I know I know Like, you know, Aristocrats is like, we accept each other for this, blah, blah, blah. The mouse and the horse have this little thing. Did you get the have mouse and the horse thing? I, I got a little... I thought they were very supportive of each other, but Ooh. maybe that's just, you know, my my prejudices. I could never see a horse and a mouse together. <laughs> and, it's um, a very one-sided relationship. The old girl, what's her name, bless her? I forgot. The old girl? The The owner. Oh, Adelaide. Oh, yeah, Adelaide. Adelaide gets the man. She gets the boy. She yeah, yeah, they have a little... They were like, oh, remember back in our day? Oh, my God, when when the lawyer, George, puts on his glasses. <laughs> that was my first... That was the first big laugh of the film from me. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Like, I was loving watching him. Like, the man is an absolute hurricane. Just, like, up the stairs, down the stairs, all falling over on McCain. Woo-hee! Again, and that is not a performance you can really do in live action. That is a purely cartoon performance mm. and I loved it and I was like I like this guy and then he put on his glasses floored me and I, I watched this at work as well it was a slow day at work but good lord uh, loved it it's out an absolute belly laugh I think it is a a lovely little film that's just about love and whatnot. um mm. All kinds of love, you know, like um, platonic and whatnot. You have the siblings always argue, but they're always there for each other in the end. You see that? Um, yeah. I I like the city of Paris and the aristocrats because I think it's stunningly Bunny. done. How it's you're right with the animation. I think wow. You look at it and you're like, that's pretty. That's pretty. Mm. In Remy and Ratatouille, I I missed out on those moments. If that makes sense. Like, you're, sure. you're setting this film in Paris, and the whole film's personality is it's a rat in Paris, and it's very French, it's all about cooking, yeah. and whatnot. Well, I think that love, in terms of animation, is put into the food. Like, the food in Ratty, oh, looks so good. Not quite Ghibli food, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's on par with Ghibli, that's my point. 
that ratatouille at the end looks about as good as the bacon and eggs from Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, the, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it does look good. Mm-hmm. I'll allow that. And the bit where he's got the, what is it, he's got the cheese and, is it like a mushroom or something? Or like a, no, it's a strawberry. Not a, not a mushroom, it's a strawberry. <laughs> and he and he takes a bite and you get that little, and the strawberry, and it's like food is music, and it's great. I love that bit. Yeah. I have a hot yeah. topic on Ratatouille and that. I'm I'm not a fan of the rat cooking. I'm not. I does like it gross rats. you out? I've owned, I've owned rats. I I don't think it's that. <laughs> but I, think, I would I not just, let them in my kitchen. <laughs> I just don't like the main character. The ginger haired guy. Really? Yeah. I like Remy. Oh, yeah. Linguini. Linguini. I thought Linguini's a bit of a Linguini. little... Do something. He's a manlet. He's an absolute manlet. Mm. Um, and even the woman at times is slightly unlikable too. You know, everyone's slightly yeah, well, unlikable. I mean, they're chefs. Them. I work with chefs. I hope none of them listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh my god! But I, I think I prefer. I, 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 uh, if anyone, if uh, Dan, Sandy, Simon. Ali, if you're listening, uh, as a joke, <laughs> please don't stab me with your kitchen knives. <laughs> just beg. <laughs> just, just beg. Yeah, they'll just spit in my food. That's their payback. That's fine. I can eat some phlegm. Who hasn't? Please. <laughs> I I much prefer the animation in Aristocrats compared to Ratatouille's Paris. And like you say, yeah. that it's more about the food and whatnot, but. I I disagree. Here's why I'm going to disagree. Mm. Yeah, it, it is. It but, is about Paris. I just like Remy, being a contrarian. He's like, Gustav, gotta go work in Paris because he loved Paris and incorporating yeah. and that Paris first bit in where he comes food. out and it's Paris and it's like, but it's Paris. Whoa. Yeah, and it's like I thought that was slightly less realistic than Aristocrats Paris where it's literally slums <laughs> like oh yeah 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 um I also completely resonate with the anxiety that Linguini has in asking the rat I hope you like it to his apartment it's <laughs> <laughs> like it's not I much hope I like hope it. you like it and it's like sir that is an actual rat <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, but that's the point. I mean, they're, they're, you've, you've humanized the rat to the point where you, you're like, do, do you like my home, rat? <laughs> I think he's just anxious. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I like Remy. I like Ratatouille, but I prefer Aristocrats. And mm. that's my hot topic. That's your hot topic that you prefer Aristocrats to Ratatouille. Yes, as two Parisian films should be compared. Mm. What about uh, Midnight in Paris? Haven't seen it. What about... Uh, I'm out of Paris films. La Haine? <laughs> Have you seen La Haine yet? What about La Haine? Ooh. I haven't seen La Haine. Let's do a podcast on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. La Haine's literally about the slums of Paris, so slightly different. La Haine. <laughs> Any final it's thoughts? good name. Lane. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've still got I've still got a, a fair bit on my document. Go go. Um, 
Sorry, I've done my talking. Males in Disney films, you know, this kind of Disney film, do they all have to have such huge noses? Sorry, when you said I have some final thoughts, I kind of thought like you'd talk about something that's relevant to the film rather than just a slight little thought that zaps like a fly in your head. <laughs> I I have I have no further hat theories or or uh, <laughs> just nose theories like, now. Nose theory? No, it's, I the, my final thoughts are all sentence long, uh, like that they're nothing basically. But I everyone in this film, all the blokes have such huge noses. Well, there's probably a reason for that. And if we look at Disney films and we look at Disney's um, love for white people, which he clearly does, <laughs> uh, they're very Roman features, isn't it? Sure. Romanesque features. Mm. Um, but then you've got you've got strong chins, strong noses, and eye color are like three things for Disney men because disney men don't necessarily have to have a personality which is why tangled was so important in 2010s because it was like oh my god a man is getting the exact same amount of time on screen as a female what the hell's happening here same screen time what the heck (laughs) he's got a personality this cannot be so (laughs) (laughs) like anything pre tangled really is like the guy he's either gonna be hot He's going to be a villain that has nothing other than anger. He's going to be a George or an Edgar. Yeah. And we all know which one's hot out of those two. <laughs> oh my God. It's those eyes. <laughs> it's that smile, that damn smile. Please. When George just pulls on my 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 braces and catapults himself up a flight of stairs. Oh, what a guy. <laughs> Best character. Um, but but I thought like because everyone in this film, like the blokes, the humans, all look quite uh, cartoony, because um, mm. they're <laughs> they're cartoons. Um, <laughs> but Adelaide looked like almost sort of rotoscoped, like they had sort of shot an actual an actual female, a femoid, and um, then just sort of traced over it. You know what I mean? I I have something about this for you. Okay. Give me a second though. Unfortunately, I did have to look. There is a a type of rotoscoping that Disney use, but I, for the love of me, could not remember the name, so I had to look it up this morning. And what they would do is in various parts of the artwork layers, they would leave it transparent to allow the other layers underneath, this is on the multiplane camera, to allow the other layers underneath be seen behind them then the movements would be calculated and photographed frame by frame with the result being like an illusion depth as i mentioned earlier the further away Mm. the camera the slower the speed and this created like a parallax process and whatnot but yeah another variation of this camera that they also came up with was to have the background and foreground move in opposite directions and this would create the effect of rotation so she would be like the the background would move and she would move in order to make it look real realistic if that makes yeah. sense I think I'm with you but I mean like even it, her movements just look so human well yeah the, the animators would have probably got a dancer or someone of similar age similar height but mm. they've already scoped the character to move 
and dance for a couple of weeks and what they'll do that whole time is just sketch and sketch and plan and plan and all right that's how they maybe do it. it's just because she's um acting against or drawn against george and edgar who are just absolute clowns in the way they move and she's just not being an absolute clown maybe that's all that was it's also um they slip in recycled cells a lot as well so like yes i noticed some mm, which isn't a bad thing dance, it's smart dance at the at the both everybody wants to be a cat i was like hey i've seen that jungle book you use that bit already yeah mm. which is it, it's mad, not bad it? it's it's a good way to save time and also if the cells work why change a good thing you know the dancing's cute uh, you'll see it in Robin Hood as well, like you know that two-step dance where the feet are going up. That's in Jungle Book, Robin Hood, Aristocats, Great Mouse Detective, everything. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's you'll look in Snow White, you'll look at Cinderella, you'll look at Sleeping Beauty. They all do the same twelves. So these are just frames that are like uh, being corrected and processed throughout time. So in the Aristocrats when you got Adelaide spinning and stuff, these are cells that we used from the thirties that have been like or design concepts that have been started since the thirties and these are people really perf- perfecting the details in order to make it as realistic as possible. Because Disney was a real dis the Disney company have always kind of like strived for realism and uh, especially like neo neo-italian realism after the 50s when uh, everyone used to go out into the streets in italy to film little like realistic films disney became really obsessed with that and loved that so um like little narratives but realistic details is his thing and that's why in aristocrats everything looks quite seamless when adelaide is moving all the people are because there's a little bit of chocker block in there it is but for the technology mm. that they had at the time it's amazing like yeah, 70s, no, great. 70s doesn't sound that far away but in in the context of computers and cg technology and everything it is a like a world away from what our film yeah. industries can do today so mm. if that wasn't too much of a tangent yeah. to answer your question no yeah <laughs> I, what was the question about big noses but sure no, yeah why not you asked about you the dancing <laughs> <laughs> um i also love the uh, everyone wants to be a cat with the with the colours and they just start changing up the colours. It was great. Yeah. You don't I... even like it's just it's a it's like a swinging dance number and it's like hey just just make them purple for a bit. Who cares? I love lo- it. I love that the lights as well like slowed down when she was being all sexy with the harp. Like everything oh, like yeah. came to a stop and the lights slowly flashed. And I love that they're animated to the music. Or the music is yeah. animated to them, you know. Like you say with the... But it's like yeah, on beat with the biggies. flip-flopping off the feet. Like, honestly, yeah. those ducks reminded me of well, you got flip-flops. It. It's called uh, Mickey Mousing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. See, I, had, <laughs> I know my stuff. <laughs> yes. It would have been called um, Oswald Rabbiting. Oswald Rabbiting. Doesn't doesn't quite have the same ring to it. I, I mean, know. it's just because we know Mickey Mouse. In an alternate universe, we're sitting here going, it would have been called Mickey Mousing. We're going, oh, that sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Mousing. Ridiculous. You clown. Um, but uh, did you know? Hmm? Did you know? Little, little true. You probably definitely do. But uh, the way, uh, what is it, Duchess? She the, she the mummy cat? Yeah. <laughs> Mummy cat. Uh, she the way she dances 
in the Everyone Wants to Be a Cat, where she's sort of like, oh, hey, hey, uh, I'm doing it for Meg on camera, but I'd say it's podcast, very good. so... Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> what Tarantino told Uma Thurman to do a bit of in Pulp Fiction. Really? She was like, have you seen Aristocats? And she was like, yeah. She was like, you know when the cat dances? Do with that, you know, and she does the sort of bent wrist T-Rex looking shimmy. Yeah, I do like Duchess's yeah. little shimmy. Also, yeah. it disturbs me that they managed to animate kind of like a bust on a cat. She's got a bit of a bust when she does that. I don't know oh, why, yeah, yeah. why they had to do she's that. She's pretty thick. She's thick. Tom Sorelli <laughs> has no bust, but Duchess... She's got cake. Oh, my yeah. God, please. <laughs> We're not having a fairy discourse. Well, it's, it's, it's not up to you, Megan. It's the film. The film has spoken. <laughs> the film has not. Oh, the cat from that is a real scat artist. The, you know, the, the black cat. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's um, Scatman Crothers, isn't it? Yeah. Who is in The Shining as well? Yeah, he's great in it. I love his uh, voice. He's got such a husky voice. It's just like cool. Thurl Ravencroft or Ravenscroft is the Russian cat, and Thurl Ravenscroft is um, uh, one of my favourite people in the world who I know almost nothing about. And one reason, I think the guy has the best name ever. Yeah. Thurl Ravenscroft, okay? Mm. None one reason. Second reason, you know what he did? Go on. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. No way. The best diss track of all time. Oh my God. You're a triple-decker, toadstool and sauerkraut sandwich with arsenic sauce <laughs> or something along those lines it's just it is the best diss track of all time it is it oh, it's so cutting i love it and uh final note yeah um honestly i mean i know i know uh edgar jumped the gun on going after the will before the person who wrote the will was even dead yeah but uh, you would kill those cats wouldn't you <laughs> you have to i don't think i would i think i'd look after them because I you gotta, you got to think about this, right? The money's left for the cats, so she clearly expects that you will look after the cats, right? Yeah. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. Free house, everything. You just have to spend a bit of money on the cats. No worries. Well, did you have any final thoughts? No, I think I've done a lot of talking this podcast. Very sorry You've about that. You've exhausted your wealth of animation knowledge. Oh, no, no. i got more, <laughs> but in different areas. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Yeah, the... Dude, I got... The podcast is young. The podcast is young. I can't give you everything. It didn't even explicitly say at the start of this episode, like I usually do, if I even liked or hated the film. Often I come in hot and say terrible, but... I'll ask you now, I think you, you can, can cut it in. No, no, no. I, I say I think it's, it's obvious from my, <laughs> my sheer joy. I thought this film was amazing. Okay, rate it out of I ten. I absolutely loved it. Out of ten. Yeah. I'm giving it... I'm giving it eight. Nice! I'm glad you mm. liked it. Probably my favourite film we watched so far. Drunken Master was good. Uh, that's sort of been the, the benchmark I've been rating all this on, but I think I will start rating this against Aristocats purely for uh, Edgar driving into the windmill <laughs> and just taking it with him for a few metres. Okay. It's absolute genius. Wait, sorry, what are you giving it out of 10? 
I'm gonna give it seven point five. Seven point five. I'm gonna deduct some points for the mild racism. Did sort of ruin like the one of the best bits of the film. Yeah, I know. You're like, oh, this is such a good song, and then you're like, oh no. <laughs> Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening thank you very much. to this uh, gleeful episode of the second <laughs> unit. Definitely the most smiles I've had because I haven't been telling Meg that the film she really likes is shocking. But no, I've been telling Meg that the film she really likes is a really likable film. So thank you very much for listening to the second unit. A goodbye. Bye.